Support for Under the Radar comes from Wellwithall. Wellwithall believes that self-care is community care. Premium products crafted for your daily wellness, from sleep support to heart health to your daily regimen. 20% of Wellwithall's profits are committed to leading the fight for health equity. They won't stop until it is truly Wellwithall. I'm Callie Crossley, and this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. And now for the part of the show we call Lanyep. That's Creole for something extra. In the United States, one in four women will experience domestic violence in her lifetime. And in nearly all domestic violence cases, there is one thing controlling victims that is hidden in plain sight, financial abuse. For more than a decade, the Allstate Foundation has worked to help victims of financial abuse through its Purple Purse fundraiser. And with Scandal star Kerry Washington as an ambassador, the foundation's initiative is getting a lot more attention. Here to talk about financial abuse and Purple Purse, Adea Souza, Allstate agent and Purple Purse ambassador in Somerville. Hello, Adea. Hello. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to have you. Jessica Braden, chief executive officer of Respond Incorporated, New England's first domestic violence prevention agency. Respond also works in conjunction with local Allstate agencies to promote Purple Purse. Welcome, Jessica. Thank you very much. And Tony Troop, Director of Communications for Jane Doe Incorporated, a domestic and sexual violence advocacy group and membership coalition in Massachusetts. Hello, Tony. Thanks so much for having us here. Oh, I'm so excited to have this conversation because uh, one of the facts that stood out for me, Adeus, I'm starting with you, is that 78% of people don't know about financial abuse as a part of domestic violence. I'm one of them, so I wanted to just get that right out. I had never heard of this, really thinking about it. After I thought about it, it made sense. But the Purple Purse Initiative was brought to my attention. It's working for you because I saw an ad with Kerry Washington, and I wondered what she was talking about. So how did you, how did you all get started with Purple Purse? Well, at our agency, we've been there for 25 years, and because we've rooted in the community, a lot of people come to us asking for help, and we're usually able to they help them directly or point them uh, in a certain direction. And it got to a point where we were noticing a lot of women were coming to us asking for help and advice sort of in this sense. They were feeling uh, they were being victims of domestic abuse and they couldn't get out because they didn't have the money. And we started doing a little bit of research and we realized that Respond was right down the street from us. And we started referring them over. Right around the same time, we learned about Purple Purse. And it was just a perfect match. We started getting involved, raising awareness, raising some funds. So that, that's how we got involved. And it's been, it's been working out well, and it's been uh, helping people. So, Jessica, how is it that most people don't tend to think of abuse in this way, financial abuse? And how important is it a factor in domestic violence? So people aren't talking about domestic violence and domestic abuse at all enough, So it's hard enough for us to recognize all the individual components because we aren't seeing things that are right before us that are domestic violence. You know, think about headline news where you hear um, a roommate killed another roommate or a lover's quarrel. Those are generally domestic violence incidents that aren't being labeled correctly. And then we start to drill down and look for that pattern of abuse and control, which is what domestic violence is. And one of the ways that one can abuse and control another is limiting access to resources like their paycheck, 
any of the money, credit cards, et cetera. And financial abuse is particularly, it's a long-term issue because oftentimes people who come to us for help that have been referred by Adeus or other ways people come to us find that they've had credit cards opened in their name. We've had one person whose partner, abusive partner, bought a car in their name. And when they can't pay their bills on time, they're not given access to their money, they have long-term credit problems, which makes it hard for them to get apartments, to uh, sometimes even getting a checking account in a bank if there was a lot of checks that were bound. Which is what you would do if you're trying to leave. Yeah. Uh, well, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the first things that Allstate suggests and we suggest is to work with people to have a nest egg so that, that they can leave safely if they come to us before they are ready to leave. But that's not always possible. Domestic violence is very particular and discreet to the abuser who's trying to control that one person. What might be used to control me might be different than you. And uh, every circumstance is different, which is why it's so important to have such a wide network of partners. There's so much work and there's so many different pieces to untangle when people present themselves in these very drastic situations. So, Tony of the Jane Doe Incorporated Organization, how prevalent is it for the people that you are serving, this issue of financial abuse? So, you know, Jane Doe has been a proud partner with the Allstate Foundation for a number of years. And Jane Doe itself does not provide direct services. It's our member organizations like Respond and the other 54 member organizations throughout Massachusetts that provide both domestic violence as well as sexual violence. So the prevalence, you know, we see this every single day. We have in the latest studies kind of confirmed that, unfortunately, the frequency of violence has not changed drastically. About one in three women will experience domestic violence in their lifetime, about one in five men. About one in five women will experience rape in their lifetime. What we know across the board, even if people don't want to define their experience as domestic violence, is that about one in four adults in the United States experience some form of financial abuse. Hmm. So it's really prevalent. It's a lot of people. And they're showing up with all different sorts of needs, as Jessica said. It might be that their credit's been you know, hurt. Maybe their employment has suffered because the abuser either harasses them at work or you know, makes it difficult if they're working from home, might limit their access to the internet or break their computer that they need in order to dial in, right, and log in to do their work. Um, It might interrupt their education by not allowing them to finish, you know, a degree. Or in the case of sexual violence, somebody who's experienced that might experience that they can't focus enough in, you know, their classes and therefore drop out of their program. So sometimes it's because of the abuse that's happening to them like the abuse itself is mm-hmm. what is manipulative, and and sometimes it's the impact of having experienced that abuse that results in the same situation. It's a double whammy, is it what is, you're saying. You got it. Okay. So, as I said, I was drawn to this story specifically through the Purple Purse Initiative because of your ambassador, Adeus, Kerry Washington, by your, I mean, Allstate Foundation's ambassador. So I wanted everybody to hear a little bit of what she has to say about this initiative and why she feels strongly about it. So while most of us think of only physical abuse when we consider domestic violence, financial abuse happens in 98% of all cases. Financial abuse is an invisible weapon. It traps victims in abusive relationships. So it's one of the number one reasons why women stay and even why when they leave, they come back because they just don't have the financial tools to take care of themselves and their families. 
So I wanted to pick up on that invisibility that Kerry Washington, and that again is Kerry Washington, star of ABC Network's Scandal, the invisibility of it. Because, see, when I think domestic violence, I'm thinking physical abuse. So this is a little turn in trying to get people's heads around this. Mm. Yeah, sure. Sometimes when we think about domestic violence, we think about a, a black eye or a broken arm, something very clear. And like you said, 98% of the time, it's there, but we just don't know. You know, sometimes a, a victim wants to leave, but they just can't. They don't have the funds, the things necessary to start a new life, to move on. And oftentimes, there are children involved. And you really just, can't leave then. Right, because right. You really, because you try to provide for them as well. Yeah, you got to, yeah. you know, there's the shelter issue, the food issue, the clothing issue. It's very serious. You know, it's usually what keeps them in that relationship. I just want to mention, because I don't think I made it clear, that the purple purse is just really kind of symbolic. There is actually a purse that's auctioned off every year. It does exist, but it, in a larger sense, it's it's a, a symbolic way to think about this because we're talking about financial abuse. Now, what the underpinning of this, Jessica, that I think I, I would like for you to really articulate is that when we talk about physical and now financial, this is really very emotional in a way that some of us can't access because we're fortunate enough not to have been in that situation. So when Adea says you can't leave, I mean, let's talk about what that really looks like and how it might begin. Because you don't get together with somebody that you think is going to abuse you. I'm so happy you asked that question because a lot of people's first reaction is that would never happen to me. And I, I, I can understand that sentiment because if I went on, on a date and I, the date started off well and then halfway through dinner that person said, oh, I'm going to need your phone and I'll be changing all the passwords on your social media accounts and then by dessert you're going to give me your check every week and change all your bank accounts and you can't talk to any of your family and friends and then strangled me. It would be the last date, right? Of course it would. Of course or everybody it. would. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, it doesn't go that way. So nobody presents themselves and says, you know, I'm going to be really abusive. Are you still on with this? It happens just a little at a time to anyone, no matter their education or their religion or their race. Generally, abusers present as actually pretty likable people. That's why people are always so surprised. And the number one thing I always talk about for people to look for is isolation. When you can isolate somebody, you can victimize somebody. And when you strip away resources, which family, friends, contacts, and financial resources, you have a great grip on controlling their every move. And again, domestic violence comes back down to power and control of another human being. This is a very pointed, marked system of power control over one human being. That's my guest, Jessica Braden. She's chief executive officer of Respond Incorporated, New England's first domestic violence prevention agency. If you're just tuning in, this is Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. I'm Callie Crossley, and here with me is Jessica, as I've mentioned, Adea Souza, Allstate agent and Purple Purse ambassador in Somerville, and Tony Troop, director of communications for Jane Doe Incorporated, a domestic and sexual violence advocacy group and membership coalition in Massachusetts. Tony, I wonder if you would just pick up a little bit more, because every time I talk about sexual violence in any way, I have to emphasize that it is violence because it has the word sex attached to it. So I'm thinking that if people are hearing financial abuse, it's like, really? Let's make that clear that this is all abusive and controlling behavior, and it's all violent. 
Absolutely. Just to pick up on what Jessica was talking about, you know, when we talk about power and control, people think, what? You know, what does that mean? It sounds very theoretical. Many years ago, this organization in Duluth, Minnesota, came up with what we call the power and control wheel. And what it spells out for people very clearly is that there are many different tactics that an abusive person uses that might be emotional, it might be physical, it might be sexual, you know, forcing somebody to have sex or forcing somebody to go through with a pregnancy if they don't want to or or to abort if they don't, you know, if they don't want to. It could be around financial abuse. It could be about spiritual abuse, you know, not letting somebody practice their religion or seek counsel, you know, from their clergy. These are all very intentional tactics. And that's the thing that I think we also want to remind people about. This isn't, well, we have a difference of opinion about how we're going to manage our finances, right? Or let's Um, just put it all together just for convenience Just for convenience sake, exactly. Mm -hmm. This is all very intentional on the part of the person who's abusive to think about what are the different levers that they might use that limit somebody's ability to have their own identity, to make their own choices, to pursue their own dreams. And that might be everything from a job to a family to a house to an education and just having autonomy over their body. So these various forms of abuse are all very connected and yet they're all very distinct. And so what we've been trying to do as a coalition and as a movement, we yes, we have to address the big picture, but we also have to look at each of these components. And so by looking specifically at the financial abuse, we can put in place some specific programs and resources and trainings so that advocates who work in local programs, that they then are better prepared to address those issues when presented with maybe a survivor that they're working with. I want to highlight some of the ways that the women have escaped. The story of the woman who hid $5 in her tampons for months, weeks, years, until she could get enough. It was the one place that she could figure that her abuser would not look so that she finally got enough to get out with her children. Allstate has uh, sponsored this film called Free to Walk, and which highlights this woman's story. And by the way, 50 million women have been helped, or persons, really, because their men can be also abused in the program, and they've helped at least 800,000 women escape domestic violence situations. So that's a, a large number, and many of them, I guess, have these courageous stories. Do you know any others you'd like to share with us? Because that was pretty powerful to read about her story. Yeah, you hear a lot of stories. Every story that you do hear does have that strong metaphor of breaking out of prison. They feel trapped. They feel, sometimes you hear them say, I feel enslaved. Sometimes the door is unlocked. Sometimes they even have access to a car sometimes. But they can't pay the bills. They can't rent the house. So it keeps bringing them back in. And fortunately, sometimes people can figure out a way, hiding money or getting contact with people who can help, and they manage to break free. But unfortunately, way too many times... They're just trapped. Yeah, they're trapped. They Mm -hmm. can figure out a way to save that money or to get that resource to get out. And that's what we try to do. We try to be able to enable more people to, you know, break out of that prison, ideally to make that prison not exist anymore so no one else is getting into that prison. But if someone is there, we just figure out a way through resources and through knowledge, raising awareness. Well, it certainly helps that the rest of us who are fortunate enough to be in a better position can be aware. But Jessica, what is the number one, if there's number one thing that someone trapped in that situation can, if they're listening or someone knows of someone, can begin to sort of make the break from the prison that Adeus is talking about? 
So the first thing I would say to somebody who's listening in, in is thinking, that's me. This is happening to me. I would say there is help. Call your local domestic violence agency. Uh, leaving an abusive relationship is incredibly dangerous, and it's a dangerous for a certain period after you leave, too. Not only is it physically dangerous, that's really another time where a lot of this financial abuse, the repercussions will bubble up. Because of Adeus's partnership with Respond, he has helped us raise over $2,000 to help us do a lot of this financial literacy with folks. Once they come in and start to get help from our programs, that's when they start to realize there's credit cards open in my name. There's accounts I didn't know I had. My credit's bad. They don't know where to even start with those things or how credit affects. And we can coach and counsel them to start that process, which is pretty long and complicated process of finding about your credit and untangling it and working uh, with police departments to file police reports and talking about how you didn't open those counts. But we also are able to work with um, landlords about the honesty about what has happened so that they can get a second chance and create partnerships with local banks who will give them an opportunity to have an account. So all these pieces come together to help someone. So I would want them to know there are resources available. It's an incredibly unsafe time, so please reach out to your local organization who can help you start this process. I'm going to ask a psychological branding question, if you will. I wonder if more people understood this piece of it and how central it was to domestic violence, if there would actually be a different kind of appreciation for what people who are being abused go through and the seriousness of it, as opposed to we tend to think of it as a physical abuse, and sometimes people dismiss that. What do you say, Jessica? <laughs> so I would say we're not talking about domestic violence enough. One of the things Kerry Washington has done in the, in the whole scandal show has written mm-hmm. in domestic violence component into one of the characters. Right. Mm-hmm. So amen, thank you. That gets us out there talking about domestic violence. And I love that that character is educated and powerful. It is a good symbol that this can happen to anybody. A shout out to Shonda Rhimes who writes, but go ahead. Yep. <laughs> yeah, well, go ahead. Uh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So we need to be talking about domestic violence. One of the, the first things that Dea said was, you know, I've been there for 25 years. I didn't know Respond was like five door fronts down. Mm-hmm. And that's because back when my organization was founded 43 years ago, Everything was so hidden and quiet, and it was in church basements and you know were somebody's living room. Yeah, yeah. in someone's yeah. living room, and porch lights were left on. And in we're just moving to the place where we have a community service center, which is a public place, and our shelter, of course, is confidential because that's one of the ways that we keep ourselves. But we need to move beyond victim blaming. Move beyond the first question is always, why didn't she just leave? Right. You know, <laughs> that, she sh- yeah, what, exactly. that shifts the focus onto the victim and not the abuser. Mm-hmm. And we need to, we have to have these conversations. Well, that's the reason I asked the question, because, you know, I'm in the business of looking at stories and thinking about how they're framed and contextualized. And I just wondered if people thought of it more as a financial abuse and realized the power of that in this situation, would there be more of an empathy? You know, I think you're really onto something, you know, here, Callie. And part of what we've always tried to do in this movement is have people tell their stories. Because when people tell their stories, one, it's hard to argue with somebody's own lived experience, right? You put out stats and figures and all of this and say, well, you know, they kind of question, they might question it, even though it's validated repeatedly. But when it's one individual story, people can relate to it more. And as we ourselves over the last 40 years have come to 
have a more robust and comprehensive understanding and a language around what abuse is like, we are starting to identify these you know, aspects of domestic violence. So I think, yes, people might be able to relate more to that. I mean, I think that the fear that somebody has about being a victim of domestic violence sometimes is countered by saying, oh, well, I'm too strong. That would never mm-hmm. happen to me, right? Or I'm educated, or I live in this community or that community, or I'm a professional person or whatnot. And But when you break it down and you show how insidious it is, you know, these examples are things that a lot of people can relate to. But I think the other piece of it is that we have to educate not only survivors about what their rights are, educate others to know what it is so that they can have their radar up. So if they start to see over and over again with a friend, it's like, why are they always canceling when we want to go to this one restaurant? Or she was really into going to these classes and now she's not going anymore. To think that maybe there's something else that it could be connected to, it allows people to start to have those questions and ask in a non-judgmental way to really reach out to a friend and have a conversation. And if they're aware that a little bit more about what financial abuse is, it might be a red flag for them that mm-hmm. that's what's going on with a friend or a colleague or a classmate. I'm always about making the business case because I think people hear you. Um, Here's a stat that I came across in doing this, that victims lose 8 million days of paid work and 60% of them lose their jobs. I mean, now we're right at the economy now. That's right. (laughs) You know, just um, about a week ago, a study came out that quantified the financial impact of rape on U.S. adults, and it was $122,461. That is the financial impact of one person having experienced rape. It's about, like you said, lost productivity. You know, it might be not showing up or showing up and not being fully engaged. It's about the external out-of-pocket medical and health benefits. I mean, cost, it's about housing. So these are real financial yeah. Very serious and significant. What was that number you said? Eight, Eight million days Eight paid million days, days of paid work. 60% lose their jobs due to abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, I got 20 seconds for you, Jessica. Last word. Um, <clears throat> if you are in trouble, you feel like this, anything we're talking about today applies to, please call our hotline or visit our website, uh, 617-623-5900. We are more than happy to help you negotiate all the steps you need to go through. I really appreciate all of you coming to inform me because I certainly did not know about Purple Purse and through that really didn't understand the full impact of financial abuse. And I thank you for educating me today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Adea Souza is an Allstate agent in Somerville. Jessica Braden is the chief executive officer of Respond Incorporated. And Tony Troop is the director of communications for Jane Doe Incorporated. That's it for this edition of Under the Radar with Callie Crossley. Join us next Sunday at 6 p.m. for the stories you may have missed. In the meantime, you can find links to the stories we discussed today on the web at news.wgbh.org slash UTR. Listen to our show on the WGBH app or take UTR with you. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please write to us at undertheradar at wgbh.org. Our engineer is Doug Sugarts. Andrea Aswahe is our producer. Under the Radar is a production of WGBH. WGBH.